Hey, everybody, it's Tommy Canale, and please go to our website, BeforeTheLightsPod.com. Over there, you can get all our episode information, show notes. You want to reach out to me via email. There's even a contact page for that as well. And you can become members of our Patreon page by clicking on the support section. Follow us on Instagram at Before the Lights Podcast. And if you have a couple minutes, head over to Apple Podcast, rate and review the show. Five stars, nice comments, always appreciated. Welcome to Before the Lights, the show to find out how those in sports, music, and entertainment made their mark. Let's get this show started. Go get your coffee, grab your drink, tell your family, friends, neighbors, and strangers the show is starting. Today, we have a treat for you. We have a professional model. She's an actress, a host, a spokesperson, a brand ambassador for many organizations, just to name a few, Under Armour, Coach, and Volkswagen, born in Washington, D.C., and she's a lover of chocolate and sitcom reruns. Please welcome to the show, Lindsay Weller. Lindsay, how are you today? Hello. Thank you for having me. I'm doing great. Awesome. Nice weather finally. Yes. And you are back east. You were raised in Gathersburg, Maryland. Yes. And talk to me about growing up as a child in that area. So it actually was a great place to grow up. I think it when my parents first moved there, it was actually pretty quiet. Um, it's very developed now. And that was happening kind of as I was growing up. But it was what I'm really grateful for is it was actually a very diverse area. So all the schools I went to, um, all the sports teams I was on were very diverse. Um, so I was really grateful for that. That was a really fun thing about growing up there. It was a really family oriented community. So that was fun too. Um, I lived in a cul-de-sac and everybody was around my age. So it was kind of one of those, one of those upbringings. I feel very lucky. I definitely don't take it for granted. Awesome. It's really up now. Awesome. 2000, 2004 in high school, you were a national honor society student, a National French Honor Society student, and a National Music Honor Society student. So academics were obviously very important to you and your family. But on the athletic side, you were the team MVP in field hockey. Where did the whole athletics kick in for you and how did you get into field hockey? So, you know, I'd like to say, I feel like most people who um, are really serious about athletics in high school started when they were really young. And I can't say that. I actually wasn't really into sports growing up. Um, I was kind of a quiet kid. Um, didn't really like a lot of attention, kind of like to do my own thing. So my mom constantly tried to get me to do team sports and she said, I just wouldn't have it. Um, (laughs) I had my close friends and everything, but I just wasn't really that into it. Um, and then eighth grade, um, one of my friends, Elisa just said, you know, here's a flyer. I'm doing a a clinic for field hockey. Why don't you give it a try? And I was like, yeah, okay. I'll give it a try. So it wasn't until right before high school that I even knew about field hockey. And I started playing it. I did the clinic. I loved it and um, decided that I was going to go the sports route and give it a try. And I ended up being okay at it um, and really, really liking it. And um, taking that, I went all the way through college with that. So I'm, I'm skipping ahead, I'm sure. But yeah. yeah, so it's it was, I mean, it really wasn't even on my radar. I guess that's kind of an unusual piece of the athletic part of my story. Um, but yeah, I, I fell in love with it right away. What's uh, interesting that when you say that you just really got into it right before high school, but there's obviously some athletic talent there because, you know, you were the 
team MVP, you're a state champion, you play in college, and you didn't just pick like an easy sport. You picked a sport that's, you know, one of the more competitive and, you know, physical sports for females. That's true. So I think that sort of speaks to my personality a little bit. That's probably uh, a good way to say that. So that's probably why I gravitated towards it because it was, it's definitely a difficult sport. It's kind of hard to pick up. It requires a lot of practice. So I definitely wasn't, I mean, I was, I was good. I put in a lot of work, but it wasn't natural to me. I mean, I think, I think the running piece was natural to me. I think my frame and my build, I'm just, that comes from, um, I think my dad's side of things. So he, my dad was a triathlete, Mm. loved to run, loved to bike, loved to swim. So I think I got that piece from him. So that part didn't really require a whole lot. I mean, I trained a lot to really get my mile times down and all that stuff, but I was lucky that I sort of had the frame built in to, to excel at that piece of things, but it was the stick skills and the eye stick coordination and all that, that was really tough to develop. So I definitely wasn't the best in that regard. I just have an incredible work ethic. I think that's something that, um, taking me a while to be good at giving myself credit for that, but cause I'm also very ambitious. I'm also my toughest critic. So I think I'm very good at a lot of things, but, um, blessing and a curse. I'm my toughest critic. So I give myself a very hard time. I hold myself to very high standards. Outside of athletics, also in that high school, somewhere in college, you did Cougar TV as a sports reporter on a weekly TV show. Was that like your first experience in front of the camera then? I think so. Other than the fact that my family is very uh, geared towards those things. My dad is a videographer. Um, He mostly does news, but he's done other things too. So he's a news videographer. He's been doing that forever since before I was born. My sister is a great photographer. My mom was always had a camera in her hand when I was growing up documenting us at holidays and family events. So my family is really has always been towards that end of the spectrum, but that was really my own personal start, I think. And I don't even remember, honestly, you know, what drew me towards that. It was, I think it was just something fun. I did it with my best friend, one of my best friends, Danielle, and we did it together. We were co-anchors, co-hosts, I should say of that segment. You chose to go to Bucknell University and what was your recruitment like, or did you kind of have your mindset that that's where you wanted to go? You know, it's interesting. I think I kind of mentioned before, you know, field hockey, well, you mentioned field hockey is a very competitive, difficult sport. And I mentioned that I had a strong work ethic, but, you know, I definitely wasn't the most skilled. Um, I had endurance and, and all that good stuff, good spatial awareness, but I wasn't the most skilled. So I was not heavily recruited. And it also just so happens that when I was going to college, um, the schools that I was really interested academically also were basically in the top 10 in the country for field hockey, Wake Forest, UNC, Maryland, um, so Michigan, so many others are really consistently competitive field hockey programs. So they are recruiting the top of the top in the country. And I really, I mean, I was good, but I was not part of that group to be perfectly honest. So I wasn't getting recruited very early. So my Bucknell opportunity was very late in the game. I want to say maybe junior year sometime or even my senior year um, in the fall. And it was either play, go play Bucknell um, or go to Michigan. It was between Bucknell and Michigan or go to Michigan and cheer for big sports. Probably would, I could try to walk on, but I probably wasn't going to be playing field hockey. So it was just a matter for me of deciding 
whether or not having that opportunity was really important to me um, or if I was going to be okay leaving it behind. And what I decided was it was really important to me to give it a try, see how it worked out. If I really didn't like it, I could transfer. Um, but I didn't think I was going to end up at a small school like Bucknell. Um, it's great academic school, but I always, I was really focused on big sports programs, big football team, uh, big basketball team. So I was focusing on that more than playing. And then this opportunity came up and I said, well, I better give it a shot. And it, it ended up working out really well. It did. You were the captain of your senior season. You're there from 04 to 08. Came out with the bachelor's in English in psychology. You were a Patriot League academic honor roll. And what was the attraction to psychology early on? Because, I mean, we're going to get into where you are today, but was the career path something different at that point in time? It absolutely was. So I, um, what I do now actually wasn't even really on my radar. It was on my radar a little bit when I was a kid. Okay. You know, one of the things that you have when you're a kid and you sort of kind of lose sight of it somewhere along the way as, as other things take over. And I think that's kind of what happened. So um, I was, I've always been a good writer um, and I've always been very analytical. Um, I always like to know why people do what they do. Um, what makes them do certain things, what personality traits are good for this or that. So I've always sort of had an innate um, attraction to psychology. So when I had the opportunity to actually turn that into a degree and really study it, I think I just naturally gravitated towards that. I didn't know exactly what I was going to do with it, but I just knew that it was going to be a good degree to do a number of things. So I felt like I, that would be a good thing to study. And it was just a bonus that I really liked it. Um, and then when I, when I got out of school, I was kind of focused on the writing portion of things. I thought maybe I would be a journalist. So, you know, doing that for a little bit um, and then ending up going back to school for psychology, which, so that was really, psychology ended up being what I thought I was going to do. The plan was to go get a doctorate, ah. um, master's and I'll, I'll, I'll stop there and let you direct the rest. Yeah. Go. <laughs> you ended up attending American university to get your master's in psychology, but I'm going to back up just a little bit. Yes. In 2007, you had a summer internship with ABC world news. How did that come about and what were your duties there? And let's start there. Cause I have a follow-up question from there. So let's go there. So that was actually a great summer. I mean, it was really interesting. That really came about, um, I had talked to, I had mentioned my dad was a videographer in news. Um, so I had mentioned to him that that's kind of where I was thinking of going. I was like, you know, I really love hearing about what you do. I really like to write. So I don't think I'm going to be behind the camera, but I'd love to explore other avenues in the journalism news world. So he suggested, I was talking to him about it and he suggested that um, ABC world news might be a good place to sort of start before I graduated because one, it's, it's not local. Um, it'll give you kind of a more of a global picture of how the news works on a big scale. Um, you could probably meet a lot of great people and see if just get a taste and see if you like it. So that's kind of how that came about. Um, what I did there, I did a lot of observing there. I did a lot of shadowing, which was great. Um, I did a lot of research for news stories. So they would say, we're trying to cover this. Can you look up a few things about this or can you, and then I would just practice. I would just, I would even come up with pitches myself. Um, I actually don't even remember if any of them were used. I'm guessing probably not, but it was just more the practice, the exercise of finding something and then backing it up and coming up with a list of facts and figures to sort of go with your story. So that was really, it was kind of, it was a good 
good place to learn storytelling and learn how they do that. And then, of course, the technology piece of it, too, is really interesting to see. Yeah. And then in 08, for three years, you become a freelance production coordinator. And I can see the career path now starting to take a different route for you. But also, you didn't give up on field hockey as well, because you went from being a player and now all of a sudden you turn yourself into a coach. And in 2010, while you were, you're still finishing up degrees and working on that, you become the head JV field hockey coach at a girl's private high school. How did you decide that you wanted to get into coaching? Cause I can see to me now that career path is going, okay, psychology is fun, but now I've gotten this internship and I still don't want to give up on athletics and I'm not really sure which way I'm going to go. So let's try a couple different things. Did you kind of think maybe coaching was an aspect for you? I did. I did. You know, so it's, it's funny looking back and having, um, cause you know, it's rare you get the opportunity to, I think, do this. So, you know, I'll go back and look every now and then, but getting to really talk through it is really fun and unique. So this is, it's interesting looking back because I feel like that period of time, that's my twenties. So it's, you're, it's, a, it's just classic confusion, right? <laughs> All over the place, bouncing around. I feel like that's a common story for a lot yes. of people and it's, there's no shame in it. I think I, it took me a little while to learn this, but I remember I, I, I think it's my mom who told me this, you know, she said, you, sometimes you learn just as much from something that doesn't work out as you do from the things that do you learn Great what point. you don't want to do. And that's valuable information, even though it's kind of disappointing. Um, so that's sort of how I started to approach things, which was really helpful because I was getting a little frustrated that I couldn't really figure out which direction I wanted to go. Um, but I field hockey really never left me. It still hasn't. I miss coaching. I miss playing. Um, it just doesn't quite fit into my world now and my schedule. But when I was back in grad school, I, I decided to give coaching a try because I always liked, I always liked working with kids. Number one, um, I felt like I was a pretty good communicator having that psychology background. So I always felt like that was a, a strength of mine. So I said, well, why don't I try to put these two things together? And since I have the time now, um, and I had a wonderful coach in high school that I really loved. She really pushed me. She was the reason I played in college. Um, I was very grateful for that. So I wanted to try to hopefully be some semblance of that for another group of young girls. So that was where that came in because I had the time and that opportunity also just sort of fell in my lap, but I said, why not give it a go? And I loved it. Great. Here's what I found really interesting in doing some research on life story, so to speak, and your timeline is you finish up in, at Bucknell in 2008. You didn't start your master's until 2010, so you took probably a year off. But in 2009, you decided to become a professional model and actress. Where did that all of a sudden click in and go, okay, I'm studying this. I'm still in athletics. I might want to be a coach. But now I'm going to become a professional model and actress. Where, how did all that develop? So it's, it's interesting. I, you know, I credit my start back to a colleague of mine at Fox five when I was in local news. So after I had that internship, I decided I was still on the journalism route. So I still wanted to see if that was something I'd be interested in. So this was kind of similar to ABC world news. Um, so if I was getting paid and it was on a local level, so figuring everything out, um, if I liked it and one of the videographers there, uh, Daryl Brown wanted to start his own photography business. And he approached me and asked me if I'd be interested in doing a trade shoot which is a, just industry lingo, trade for prints, where we say everybody just trades their time. So um, that way, you're, you know, everybody's not spending a fortune all the time on 
on hiring people to do things, you can just help each other out and you both need something and you fulfill that for the other person. Um, so he asked me if I wanted to do that. And I said, I'm very flattered and I would love to give it a shot. I can't guarantee you're going to get anything good. <laughs> I've never done this before, but welcome to give it a try. Um, so I did that with him and I still have the pictures I did from that shoot. And it was such a great time. I had the best time. Um, so that was, that was when I really sort of revisited being behind a camera. Um, and it wasn't really on my radar, um, until then. And he said, you know, you should really look into doing this. And I was like, yeah, I don't, yeah, thank you. Like, I appreciate it. You know, I've never been good at taking compliments. Still not. It's still a skill I'm working on. But I was like, oh, thanks. You know, I, I'll see. I don't know. I had no idea how to go about that or anything. So it was one of those things where I can't say I was a professional. I've been a professional since 2009, but it's certainly where it started. And I did started doing things sporadically from that point forward, mixing it in with everything else I was doing, all my other crazy <laughs> avenues that were happening in, in my 20s. Um, and it really wasn't until, until I was 29 that I finally said, you know what, I've tried a bunch of other things. I'm really bored with all of that stuff. And what makes me happy being behind the camera. I have a good time every time I do it. Let me see what I can do with this. And I, try, I went from there. And you found your passion, obviously. You can hear it in your voice as you talk about it. Um, and before we go forward, I found something interesting Talk to me about your two P's of patience and persistence. So that actually, I can't remember when I first came up with that. Not that it's anything, you know, that someone else hasn't thought of before, but it's just something I sort of tell myself while well, it's become kind of a mantra for me, um, the two P's. And it's because the industry I'm in really beats you up. Um, it, you hear no way more often than you hear yes, mm. um, or you just don't hear anything at all. Um, so it's a lot of effort constantly and consistently for sometimes minimal reward. Um, so you really have to be willing to stick with it. So that's where persistence comes from and patience too, because it takes a long time to develop the skills. I mean, an argument can be made that you're just constantly developing, even the people who are already have already quote unquote made it. Mm -hmm. um, I would say they probably say they're still developing with each role they do. So it takes patience. You want to be there immediately. You want to be noticed immediately. Um, you want to have your work out there immediately, but you know, it really does take patience and you put those two together. And to me, in my brain, at least for me, that's those two put together are what it takes to have the long-term success. And you know, that's what it'll take for me to be doing this 10 years from now or those two things put together. And the reason I bring it up, Lindsay, is Pick it back up from 2010 to 2013. You got a lot of things going on. You have marketing, you have, you're in advertising, you're in sales, you're, you're a coach, you're a program manager, you have a lot of things going on. So you obviously got to have both of those things, patience and some persistence to continue to go forward. And my next question to follow up on that is you had to have some sort of support system. And what was your support system like when you're trying to juggle all these things and all of a sudden at 29 you go, okay. Now I'm going to go behind the camera and this is what I want to do. I am lucky that my family has been there from start to finish. I mean, and not finish, but start to now, I should say. Um, I've always, I mean, I've always been grateful for my family, my parents, both my parents. I mean, I've got my dad who's got kind of the creative side of things. My, my ability to be patient and persistent, I think comes from my mom, directly from my mom. She, my mom's a 
a trademark copyright and patent attorney in DC. Um, she's a, she's a power woman to say the least. So she always kind of instilled that in me that, you know, you can do whatever you want to do. You just, but you're going to have to work hard at it. It's not just going to be given to you. You know, she built everything that she has from the bottom up, um, in a primarily male industry. Um, luckily not, you know, it's more even now, but when she started, I mean, I think she was in her law firm. She was the first, they had to come up with a maternity leave policy just for her because they didn't have one at the time. So, you know, it's just, she's always, she tells me these stories and it makes me grateful one to have her and to grateful that the world is kind of the way it is now. It can obviously stand to be better, but that all comes from her. My dad has the creative side of things. He taught me how to go after, really go after what you want, even though it's really difficult because he does the freelance thing as well. So they put together, I'm lucky that I have both sides of that. And they, honestly, they were skeptical when I said at 29, and this is what I'm going to do. And they were like, um, really? <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> Not going to work. So to their credit though, I mean, their parents, that's what they're supposed to do. So they, but they were really supportive and they said, you know, if that's what you want to go after, then go after it. And, you know, we will be here to help you along the way. Awesome. Coaching wasn't done. I mean, you were a JV coach and now I become a head varsity coach at Walt Whitman High School. And then in 2013 to 2014, you're at the Academy of Holy Cross. So how are you juggling starting a professional modeling and actress career, but you're still coaching field hockey? Yes. So I, I, um, Honestly, I mean, the, the modeling and acting was still pretty sporadic at that point. Okay. So, you know, it wasn't my focus yet. Um, I still honestly, at that point, didn't know that it was going to be any type of career path. It was really just something I like to do. I considered it more of a hobby. I had no idea that I was going to be able to build it into something else. Um, I didn't even know how to go about doing that. So, you know, it was really kind of a side project. I was focusing on everything else and um, assuming that everything else was going to end up at the forefront. And that's <laughs> not what happened. Um, but yeah, so I, I mean, the balancing was not, it wasn't easy, but it was easy because I wasn't really making modeling a priority at that point. So I was really focusing on everything else um, and, and assuming that it was just going to be something I'd like to do. And that was it. And it started to work out 2013 you're the production coordinator at the Daily Deal, but I'm going to jump to 2014. Living Social comes around, which are a live events production coordinator. You're working with high profile clients like on Broadway, WWE, NBA, the NFL, you know, national running events. Did some of these connections and networks then from Living Social help push you and platform you to where you eventually went to today? You know, I think not directly, but indirectly, I think it did. So I can't say that the contacts that I had there really translated directly to some of my work that I do now. But I think the communication skills that I was able to get working with such high profile people and organizations um, and everything and being responsible for their content being on the internet. um, I really, I mean, I was a detail oriented person to begin with, but this really fine tuned those skills and the communication piece of everything as well. So I think that, and that was a great thing to follow up the psychology, honestly, that, that job, putting those two things together um, really made me a better communicator uh, than I already was. And I considered myself a pretty strong communicator to begin with, but those, those two together really, I think, helped put me over the top. 
And communication is such a huge part of what I do now with networking. Um, he, you know, you really have to be personable and you have to know who you're talking to and what's going to appeal to them and what to say and what not to say. So I think that's really where that job at Living Social became valuable. 2015, you become the marketing and advertising coordinator with the Washington Nationals professional baseball team. Athletic, still part of your life. I mean, we're, we're still working and doing things with athletic. At this time, and my question, and we're going to get to it because in 2016, we're really going to start talking about the more of the modeling, but was modeling still just sporadic at the time? So you're looking for other things to fill in the voids and earn income? It was. It was really, it was really, it was definitely still secondary. Um, it wasn't until after the nationals where it really became primary for me, um, where the realization kicked in that that's really what I wanted to do. It's obvious that I really like sports. Um, I think based on my history, playing myself, coaching, and the fact that I kind of hung on to it as long as I possibly could. So I sort of, and what I studied when I went to get my master's, I did my, um, my primary paper, my master's paper on sports psychology. Mm. Um, so that was a real interest of mine. So I was looking to merge those two worlds. My, when I was still in the psychology route, that was what I was thinking. I was thinking I was going to go get my master's in sports psychology of some capacity, maybe some specialization, maybe just generally, and then hopefully eventually work with athletes, a sports team, anything like that in a psychology capacity. Um, so performance-based or even organizational psychology, which is working with companies and uh, corporate environments and really maximizing the people's ability to perform in those, those environments. So that's kind of what I was thinking of. of. Um, yep. But then, you know, so that was why the nationals job came up and I actually took a pay cut to go there because I said, all right, well, if I can get in the sports arena, this is my chance, mm-hmm. give it a shot and see if it's all it's cracked up to be. Um, and there were a lot of parts of it that were, but it was one of those things where could I see myself, in this environment, doing this for years and years and years. And I just wasn't convinced. I couldn't say yes to that, um, which is when I really jumped ship and went a completely different direction from anything <laughs> I had done before. Yeah. In 2016, you become a full-time modeling and acting. What was the aha moment for you going, I'm doing this, I'm going full steam ahead? Um, I don't, you know, I don't know when the exact moment was. I remember in general, in general, it was probably, so it was probably November, right before the holidays. And, you know, I was just, I was at work week in, week out. Um, and I was working with really great people and I was, you know, kind of liking what I was doing, but it wasn't, it wasn't as stimulating as I wanted it to be. And I just sort of sitting in my office, I just kept thinking about, what makes me happy? You know, I was, I kind of was having all these flashes in my head of all these different things I had done and going these different directions. And here I am almost, almost to my thirties. I think I was 29 at this point. And, you know, I, I just said, okay, I've done all these different things. Let's inventory. Cause I'm still not feeling content. And why, why am I not feeling content? What do I need to do? Maybe I need to really do something drastic, like go a completely different route, something unexpected because, you know, and really give that a go because I just feel like I started to feel like I was doing what I was supposed to be doing instead of what was really going to make me happy. I think that was my realization in at that time frame. 
holidays right before 2016. So November, 2015. And I think I just, that's what I started to feel like that I was going through the motions. This is the way you're supposed to climb up the ladder. You're supposed to enter at this level and then you're supposed to work your way up and that's just how it's supposed to go. And so that's, I didn't want to, I decided I didn't want my life to be based on what I should be doing. I wanted it to be based on what I want to be doing. So that was my realization, I think. And it was it felt really good. And then it was scary at the same time because I realized <laughs> that then I had to do it. <laughs> Which most things are when you finally commit, it's the unknown factor that you're not really sure about. So Lindsay, what were some of your early challenges then after you go, okay, this is what I'm going to do. What were some hurdles or challenges you didn't expect that kind of hit you right away? Uh, money, number one. <laughs> um, and I took a, I took a pay cut to go to the nationals. So you know, I was, I was making enough to, to get me by, but that was really, I said, okay, so how am I going to, I'm going to quit this job and how am I going to support myself as I get this going? Because so again, going back to the patience and persistence, you know, I wasn't going to be making a ton of money right off the bat, you know, probably not even much for the first year, at least because I really had to establish myself. I had to get some content. I was going to have to do trade work, um, take some free gigs just to get images, exposure, network, and really prove myself because nobody's just going to hire you and say, okay, you have no evidence of this, but I'm sure you'll be fine. (laughs) (laughs) How it works. Even, you know, even now having a bunch of content, it still doesn't work like that. Sometimes you feel like you're the best person for the, for the role and you know, somebody else gets it for some reason or the other. And a lot of times you don't even find out what that reason is. So you just sort of have to constantly be perfecting and working. So money, number one. Um, and the other thing was, I just, I honestly didn't really know much about the industry. I was like, you know, how am I going to break in? Who do I contact about getting pictures taken and working with people? So my first, my, I actually was lucky enough. I sort of started on Instagram, just poking Mm. around and finding photographers that looked like they had work that I liked. Um, and I actually luckily enough worked with, found a photographer I really liked who I still work with today. Um, Marco Ibanez and he's wonderful. And he recommended, um, a woman named Lauren Deckert, um, who's from New York and she's been modeling since she was about 16. Um, and we're about the same age. So she became my mentor. Um, so she luckily took away a lot of that anxiety about how am I going to break in? Cause she really helped me do that. Um, but I would say those were my, my top two. And then I guess my third one was, you know, my third worry right off the bat was, okay, what if this doesn't work the way I want it to work? You know, and luckily the reason I say that that was third is because I felt like I had my education. I put in all this time doing other things. I really had a great base. I felt like, so if I, if this didn't work out, then I could go back and do something else. Um, I wasn't going to be left at square one. You know, this was just something that I felt like I had to try. And then at least I wouldn't wonder. I would know whether it was, you know, one way or the other, I would at least know. Right. Did you have any point early on where you thought, oh man, I made a bad decision here and this may not work out as well as I would hope it would be? Oh yeah, (laughs) many. And I still do. (laughs) There are still days where I'm like, what am I doing? Wow. It is crazy. You know, like, I don't, am I gonna, you know, and I think that comes from having the high standards. So I don't do a great job of giving myself credit for the success that I have had. Um, because I, you know, I do have to, this probably goes back to not being good at taking compliments either. I guess I'm just kind of a humble person, but I, you know, 
I have had a lot of success. And this is, if I look back at where I started in 2016, you know, I've done a lot of things and um, I've hit a lot of, I've checked off a lot of things that I didn't think I was going to check off. So I have to do a good job giving myself credit. Um, but yes, there are, there were certainly in the beginning, um, especially right when I left my job, because I didn't really have a plan. Um, I, my plan initially was to waitress, you know, to do things like that, that were flexible so that at the same time I could go on auditions and go on castings and, and do all that and kind of grow that while making some money on the side. But, you know, yeah, when I was going out and handing out resumes at restaurants and things like that, I was like, oh my gosh, what did I just do? What happened? <laughs> I don't like, I really don't want a waitress, but I'm going to have to, um, and, you know, it's amazing, but I sort of, that really pushed me harder to, to get things going. So I actually, I never ended up waitressing anywhere. Um, I sort of made ends meet in random other ways and I did end up drumming up enough work. I don't know how, honestly, I look back, I don't really know how I paid for myself in 2016. It's just one of those things that you, you have to do it. So you do it. And then you look back and you're like, I don't know how I did that, but, <laughs> but I did. <laughs> what was an early reward or not so much a reward, but what was an early success point of yours that you were like, okay, I think I'm on to something here. This was a good move. Things are starting to go my way and I'm enjoying it. And maybe I could make this a full-time gig and, you know, to where you are today. Was there something early on that kind of gave you a boost? You know, the first thing that comes to mind for me, it was, it was actually, um, it was a trade shoot. I, I didn't get paid for it, but it was a, wedding shoot, um, that was out near Annapolis and it was, and the way I got it was, I think that's what really gave me a boost because, um, the woman who was setting it up, she was a wedding planner and there was going to be a bunch of vendors involved. And she actually reached out to me on Instagram. Um, so I felt that was very exciting for yeah. me because I had started my Instagram for my professional purposes. And I was, you know, posting and really trying to gain some traction there because I knew it was a a major platform that I really had to be present on and a part of. So when someone reached out to me on Instagram asking me to be a part of something because they really liked my, you know, images that had been posted so far, I mean, that was a big deal to me. And that really made me feel like, okay, I'm doing something right. Um, there's going to be a lot of people involved in this one. So it'll be a great opportunity for networking. So it turned out well in the end too, but in the beginning when she first reached out to me, it was, that was really exciting for me. So that made me feel like I could keep doing this. Like, okay, I just need to keep doing what I'm doing, keep talking to people, keep meeting people, keep posting, and this thing will keep gaining steam. And it did. And we're going to put links in our show notes, but if you want to reach out to uh, Lindsay, you can connect with her on Instagram or LinkedIn, just her name, Lindsay Weller, or you can go to lindsayweller.com. There's many publications and things you have done since 2016. So things obviously got really good, really fast. But you have numerous publications such as Elegant Magazine, Today's Bridal, you had a feature in there, and Bandit Swimwear. Has any time during all this, with all this stuff you have done, Lindsay, does it ever get old? You know, it doesn't. It really doesn't. And that's the best part about it. I mean, I think it definitely can get a little tiring. I'm not going to say that every moment, I mean, I drive really far to work sometimes. I'm up at three in the morning sometimes to get to um, to get all the way up to Philly or Jersey for a shoot. And then I drive all the way back in the evening when the shoot's over. So, you know, you just have to be willing to do that. It depends on how much you love it. Um, so it's not for everyone for sure. Um, but it's, so not every moment is great, 
But honestly, after I'm done working, you know, you look back and every moment has been great. And the variety is, is what's awesome. I think that's what I was missing from my other career paths. You know, that's every job I do is different. I meet different people consistently every time I'm going to different places. Um, so that's, that's really, you know, satisfying for me. I love that it's different. I love that I'm meeting people every day. It's constantly stimulating and, and different. And I love that. Variety is a way to put it because you have done a lot of different things from not just modeling, but acting and different things. And then TV and film, how did you get into your, how'd you get your break? I mean, with first lady, or was that not the first thing you did? So the first video project I did was actually a commercial for pain relief cream. Okay. It was a blue emu commercial (laughs) that I did uh, several years ago now, but it was, uh, it was really fun to shoot. It was kind of a, a big test for me because you know, I had a bunch of lines to memorize. They had a prompter there, but I ended up not using it, which was great. I think that made a great impression. But I remember being so nervous that I stepped out in front of the camera. And this comes from my mom. But when I get nervous, my chest gets red all <laughs> over. Like It looks like I have a bad rash. I get really <laughs> nervous and I get really blotchy just in my chest. And of course, I'm wearing a shirt that's like a scoop neck shirt. So you can, <laughs> you can see it. So I step in front of the camera and they're like, uh, makeup, can we just get a little, <laughs> please, before we start. So I had to try to calm down, but it was, um, that was really my first, first video job. And that was, it, it was, I felt really grateful to get that because it was a national commercial that aired. So it was really fun when that got going. I had friends texting and things like that saying they were seeing it. Um, so that was, I, I, you know, going back to what you said, how I got that job, I work with several different agencies and a couple of different managers as well. And I'm really grateful for them. I'm lucky to have them. I sort of spread myself out based on cities. So I have representation in Baltimore, Philly, New York. Um, so if you can sort of have a variety in that sense, uh, geographically, then you can, you can do a pretty good job of filling your schedule. So I'm lucky to have people who work really hard to get me these opportunities. So one of my managers luckily got me that one. So that was great. And I've actually worked with that production company since too. So it's, if you make a good impression, really important, just always be professional because it really can result in repeat work, which is what you want. Absolutely. First impressions are big in anything you do. Season one, episode six, you were in dead of the night. And then you said about you've done commercial work. You've done stuff with Black & Decker, Samsung, Toyota. How does it feel to see yourself on TV? It's, it's actually really cool. Um, I, you know, that sounds, this sounds lame to say that it's really cool, but it, you know, I think, you know, I don't often draw people's attention to it. I'll just keep an eye out for it. So I guess it's really satisfying for me personally. Um, so I try to keep it though. I mean, if people see it great, but I'm not the type of person to announce it all over the place, you know, I might write a little post about it or something, but you know, I'm not broadcasting it all over. So for me, I, I really keep it personal and it's really personally satisfying because whenever I see it, I think back to when we shot it and all the work that went into it. And that, that really makes it, that's what makes it exciting for me to see. You know, it's not that I feel like I have to be on TV and I have to be on camera. It's, it's the, the pride that I take in doing a good job um, and making a good impression and being able to produce something like that and be a part of something like that. And then see, to see the final outcome is really, really exciting. 
your stuff out there more. When I got to your website and saw everything you did, I was shocked. I'm like, she's done, <laughs> she's done a lot. So you definitely got to push some more stuff out there. See, it's a constant process. I still have things I can work on. I have to be a little bit more of a braggart, I guess. Right. You've done runway work as well. Um, London Fashion Work and New York Fashion Week. Runway modeling. What's the biggest hurdle of that? Oh, man, I don't do a lot of it anymore. The biggest hurdle is the standards that everybody sets, which are slowly changing, luckily, and becoming a little less rigid. But, you know, I'm I'm about 5'7", which is pretty tall for the average woman, I think, is maybe 5'4", maybe 5'5 now. I think it's getting a little taller. But, you know, but w- traditionally, runway models are 5'10". 5'11", six foot, six feet tall, which is how many, how many women are that tall? Not many. Hardly any. Um, so that's really, you know, and I think the stereotype was they used to all be really stick skinny and, you know, the joke is models don't eat. And I, I'll have everybody know I eat a lot. I love food. <laughs> now, one thing I said from the very beginning, I said, I am not going to be one of those people who's, who adheres to diets and sacrifices and does all that. I, I was like, it's not worth that. Like you have to live and you have to be happy. And it's, you know, you can't let everybody control that aspect of your life, but total side note. So I think, so runway is really difficult because there are kind of still those, those standards and restrictions and requirements that linger. So I, you know, I don't do a lot of it anymore because it was kind of difficult. I mean, it was difficult to get because most of the time it would say five, eight and above. Mm. Um, so it's, that's, that's the hurdle there. But again, you know, you see a lot more variety, um, on the runways these days, which I love. So who knows, maybe, maybe I'll get back into it a little bit. Um, but I just like, I think I like, um, you know, creating a piece of work a little bit more than just, just walking for me personally, you know, definitely. I know a lot of people love runway and that's great. It just depends what your personal preference is, what really brings you joy. And I just sort of, as I did it, I was testing out all these different modeling avenues and runway was just kind of became lower on the list as the more I did for me personally. So I just, find more joy in other, other aspects. You've done a lot of things, Lindsay, since 2016, looking back, is there any one or two favorite pop projects that pop into your mind that you really enjoy doing? One is actually pretty recent. Um, I'm a big animal lover. Um, I, you know, and I think I put that in my about section. I have a rescue dog, Ajax. So I've just always been an animal person. You know, I call myself crazy dog lady. Um, (laughs) so one of my favorite ones that I recently did was a pet shampoo commercial. And I still, it's not up on my website yet. I have to get it up there, but I got to work with a golden retriever. Um, and it was really, really fun. It was a, a nice warm day. We shot outside. So that was really enjoyable too. It was just a nice casual day, but um, low stress project, I should say, which it always helps. It's fun to do those too. But so I got to, you know, shampoo him up and his name is Oshi. He's named after, uh, one of the caps players. So that was really fun too. So definitely was, it was fun to work with people who were from this area also. Um, and actually funny enough, the production company was the same one that I talked about earlier with the blue emu commercial. So everything, and that wasn't even on purpose, but everything cycles back around. So that was one of my favorite ones just because it sort of combined two things, you know, my, obviously my passion for being behind the camera, but also the animal piece too. So that was really fun to put those two together. What's upcoming for you now? Let's see. Well, um, in this trying time, it's difficult to say, but I am still networking Um, I'm still, I actually had my first virtual audition just this morning. So that was interesting. I had to 
disassemble my bedroom and make it into a <laughs> make it into a, a, a an acceptable home studio. So um, yeah, so you know, I think people are going to start to figure out ways to keep things going, but it's been difficult at this point. Um, I've actually been considering writing a little bit, going back and doing and seeing my, if I can try my hand at writing. I don't know, a TV episode, a short film, something. I have no idea what it's going to be blogging, but you know, I mentioned earlier that writing was always, I was an English major and writing was always an interest of mine. So, you know, I think I've been asking myself the same question. I am really enjoying what I'm doing, but I kind of want to add another piece to that. And I'm trying to figure out what that piece is. And I keep coming back to writing. So I think that's probably next on the agenda. I can't guarantee it's going to be any good, but we'll see. (laughs) I'm going to try my hand at it. What I just find funny at that is the whole spectrum has come full circle for you. The more I do these, the more I'm finding out that people's lives are becoming more full circle than they realize. And COVID has presented a lot of hurdles and challenges for the whole world. And you have to be creative these days to find ways. And you're going back to what you know, going back to writing, English, psychology, and who knows what you'll come up with. I'm sure it'll be something really good. But last question before I let you go, Lindsay, is uh, what are you not good at? Oh, what am I not good at? Plenty of things. Not good at accepting compliments. Um, you know, I think I'm, I'm really, I, I'm not always easy enough on people, I think, which comes from the fact that I'm not easy enough on myself. Like I said, I'm my own toughest critic. So um, I think, you know, going back to the two Ps, I know we're kind of beating those to death, but you know, having patience with myself. So not only patience with the process, but having patience with myself, patience with other people. Um, I think that's kind of something that I'm always going to work on. Um, not being a perfectionist. So being a perfectionist is great in some ways, but it's, for me, it's, it's a hindrance. A lot of times, you know, I, I focus too much on teeny tiny things, um, that really kind of then make it make me stumble versus helping me move forward. So that's, that's really a weakness of mine. I'm really struggling to sort of be more, I think, easygoing, um, in a lot of ways, socially, I'm very easygoing, but you know, when it comes to my work and everything, I'm working on sort of being more at ease with the process and, you know, letting things roll off. And that's a skill that definitely doesn't come natural to me. I'm an analytical person. I nitpick everything. So I'm working on, you know, it happens, it's over, you're done with it. You can connect with Lindsay at lindsayweller.com, Instagram, and LinkedIn, Lindsay Weller. Thank you so much for your time today. It's uh, valuable to me, and I appreciate you taking time out of your schedule to be on the show. Thank you so much for having me. This is so great. Trip down memory lane. I don't get to do this often. It's <laughs> awesome. I'm glad you had some fun. Everybody out there, please review and rate the show, especially on Apple Podcasts. Five stars, nice comments are always welcome. For show notes, go to our website, beforethelightspod.com. And follow us on Instagram at Before the Lights Podcast. Thank you for listening to Before the Lights. I'm Tommy Canale, and we will talk to you next time. Until then, everybody, stay healthy and keep smiling. <laughs>